Hello and welcome back to The Huddle. Liam Santa Maria with you as we are just days away now from tip-off of Game 1 of the NBL 23 Championship Series. The Sydney Kings versus the New Zealand Breakers. The defending champs up against the team looking to make history, become the first side since the South Dragons back in the day to go from dead last to champions the following year. Can't wait for the series to tip off. And today we're going to preview it. And we're going to preview it with my man, Damon Lowry, NBL champion, of course, with the, I'm pretty sure then called Wollongong Hawks and a man I've enjoyed working with over the course of this season. So sit back, relax. Up next, Damon Lowry. D, what's happening, man? Thanks for joining me again. Always a pleasure, man. Anytime the Liam bat signal goes out, you know I'm ready to go. Hey, big week. As I said, tip off game one just around the corner. This is what we do it for. You know, we, we free agency and a regular season and a preseason, all this stuff is fun. But it's all about who hoists the trophy at the end of the day, Damon, and we're about to find that out. And you know what else is good? Everybody was sucking about this little bit of a fever window break. Look at the, the anticipation now. How many sleeps do we have left until Friday night? It's exciting. <laughs> that is right. That's right. Hey, um, one of the cool things about that break for me is that Xavier Cooks get a chance to get his ankle right, the MVP of the league, All-NBL first team. And Barry Brown Jr., All-NBL first team, best six man, gets a chance to get his hand right. So these teams are going to be healthy and ready to go when we tip off on Friday night. Zero excuses. I mean, mind you, there was always zero excuses. But now guys are fresh, refreshed, recharged. And now we find out who is the best team in the country. All right. So i got a few different things that I'm keen to talk about and touch on as we go. But uh, let's start with whatever you want to start with. What, what's your kind of like umbrella thought about the series, the thing that's on your mind as we head towards Friday night? Great start. Everybody loves an underdog. I was an underdog. The 2001 Hawks was under. Everybody loves that story, right? That Rudy story. But people disrespect the champion. How hard is it to repeat when you got a target on your back for the entire season? You got the MVP of the league. You got the, the, the coach, you know, candidate coach of the year. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, everybody wants Sydney to lose. People don't like winners, Liam. The Tom <laughs> Brady's of the world. We love to hate Tom Brady. But it's hard to try to build a dynasty. And the Kings and Chase Buford, they're trying to build a dynasty. Do you think they don't like winners or they don't like this particular group of winners? <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm just trying to kind of read the atmosphere. Like, you know, I love winners. I love these winners. I'm happy for this team or that team, either team to win. Um, I love the fact that basketball is booming in Sydney. That's a, that's a great result. And hats off to Paul Smith and Chris Pongrass and Andrew Bogut and Paul Kind and Luke Longley and Chase Buford and that whole playing group for making that a reality. But I'm just kind of reading the vibe amongst people that I speak to and uh, people on social media and the like and this whole idea of the Sydney Kings versus the world. 
it feels like it's more venomous about this team than perhaps it has been about other teams trying to repeat. And of course, part of that is, is the bravado, is the talk, is, is the, um, the confidence that the Kings bring to the table. Do you feel like it's, it's more the case with this purple and gold squad than, than it is with usual defending champs? I like that point, and I think it's a combination. When you got a, a championship team trying to repeat up against a team that was playing out in the wilderness for the last two years, everybody and their dog wants that story. We all yeah. love that story for Modi Mayor and all those breaker dudes. But you couple that with the fact that the Kings, they do have a bit of a chip. They got a bit of Sydney swanky about them. A little bit of, sw- I don't want to necessarily say swanky because like in the words of Xavier Cooks, they got dogs on that team. They're not they swanky do. dogs. Mm-hmm. But a guy like Chase Buford, a guy like Chase and his antics rub people the wrong way. You know, mm-hmm. Australians, like Chase ain't been here long. Australians don't like that. This is, that's that's common in America and Australia to kind of go, hey, why do you have to do that? Why do you got to carry on like that? So when you cu- couple that with the fact that, that they've already won it, people do not want to see them win it again. But I'm trying to, Liam, leave my emotions out of it. Mm-hmm. I don't have a dog in this fight, a horse in this race. I don't. Mm. Whoever wins it deserves to win it. Yep. So I would just like to acknowledge the fact that people out there, I was in a position to try to repeat, fell miserably short. It's hard to do. Mm-hmm. I think we've arrived at the perfect championship series matchup. Like if we could go back to the start of the season and we're, you know, even in the off season, we're talking about, man, New Zealand, these two years they've had, give them extra home games. Everybody give up a home game, give it to the breakers, so on and so forth. If you could go there and tell, tell each other, hey, the breakers are going to be in the grand final series. We would all say, perfect. That's awesome. Whatever it took to get there, that's a great result. And if we said, and to get over the hump, to actually get it done and hoist the trophy, they're going to have to beat the Kings. They're going to have to beat the defending champs who will come in as the number one seed at the top of the table, roaring in with a whole bunch of confidence. Xavier Cooks will have, in fact, ended up being MVP like we thought he probably would or might do. I think that's the perfect scenario because it's either the Kings repeat or this Cinderella story that is this Breakers squad conquer the Kings to become the champions of the league. And that is what Modi Marwa was preaching to. You want to be the best? You got to beat the best. I like that. And don't think for a second, Liam, the Kings know this. They know that the nation, Australia and New Zealand, two nations, <laughs> are, are in, are loving the story of the Breakers. What a great story this is, right? So how do we somehow find some, some motivation out of that story? How do we galvanize it? Oh, we're the bad guys. Everybody hates us. Okay, we'll show you. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. they're playing that card as well when they really don't need to, I don't think. All right. Now, let's just dive in a little bit deeper. I think that the most fascinating um, element of this matchup on the floor is the fact that we have the team that is the number one ranked squad in the league for pace and the team that's last. So the team that's fastest and has the most amount of possessions in their game and wants to push the tempo and ram it down your throat in the Kings and the team who has that a little bit more of that European style 
about them. Number one ranked defense, big, strong, physical guys that want to grind you down. And offensively, they're not necessarily trying to do the same. They're, they're happy to walk it up, get it from side to side. They're very disciplined in the way they execute their set. They don't have a big playbook, but what they do run, they run it well and they know their counters and they get through their stuff. How do you think that actually ends up playing out on the floor in this matchup? Is it that quintessential arm wrestle for who could control the tempo or do you think it we it, we see it playing out in some kind of different way? Styles make fights. These two teams will slug it out. Yes, the Kings are one in pace because... Xavier Cooks will get a rebound and just take off. But when you got guys like Derek Pardon and Jarrell Brantley on the glass, that sometimes might be able to, might can neutralize that to a degree. And the last three games they played each other, the Kings won twice in New Zealand. Mm -hmm. The Breakers win in Sydney. Nobody scored 90, if I'm not mistaken. At mm -hmm. least the first two games, nobody scored 90. It's not going to be up and it's not going to be high scoring. It just won't be. It's going to be a slugfest. And one team might be able to break free if they can play five minutes of their brand. If, if the Kings can just get out of the gates late in the fourth or halfway through the fourth with just five minutes of DJ Vasilevich, cookie pushes, DJ three, all of a sudden it just opens the floodgates real quick. Mm -hmm. I can see them taking it. But I can also see the breakers, on the other hand, slowing that right down. Xavier gets the rebound, and next thing you know, he is he's seen a wall up the other end. So it's going to be interesting to see who can execute the best when it matters the most. It's the other reason why I think that this is a great matchup, the best possible matchup we could have found in the grand final series, because I think the breakers out of every other team in the league, and I've been saying it for a little while, have the best chance to beat Sydney in a series. Now, Cairns pushed them, pushed them real hard. Um, and maybe if that had those some healthy bodies, it might have been a different result. Even Chase has been kind of straightforward about that. But um, the fact that they have been able to slow the Kings down in their matchups this season. Now, you're right. They lost two of them. They won the last one. But the fact they've been able to slow them down and keep Sydney's scores in the 80s, I think, gives them a shot. And we think about the Jack Jumpers last year. They were an elite defensive squad. They made things tough. It was a three-game sweep, but they made things tough. I just think they lack the firepower at the offensive end to continue to tick it over as much as is required against this Kings team. Well, the breakers have that. And when we think about what they do defensively against Sydney, Sydney average 85.7 points per game against New Zealand this season. It's the lowest amount against any other team in the league. They average 97 a game against the rest of the competition, the other eight teams. So this is why not only do I, and I'm maybe I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself here, but this is why I actually think the breakers, not only do I give them a fighting chance, I'm actually going to tip them to win the series. I wouldn't be surprised if the breakers won. I wouldn't be surprised if the Kings won. They're both so equal. Now, like I said, this series, and thank God it's a five-game series and not three like back in the day. Five mm -hmm. games are really slug it out. You're going to see games where multiple people has a game. It's going to be the DJ Vasilevich game. It's mm -hmm. going to be the Barry Brown game. Mm -hmm. We might even see a Rayon Rupert game. And I like the matchups in the backcourt. Mm -hmm. We're talking about Xavier Cooks. We know what he brings to the table. We know what Brantley brings to the table and Barry Brown. 
Do they have an answer, Liam, for Big Will McDowell White? In every game they played this year, he's had a big game in one category. Either the points, the last game they won in Sydney, <clears throat> 10 assists, 20 points. Hmm. Uh, one game they had 12 rebounds in the games that they lost. And you got a guy like Rayon Rupair between the two of them and Isaiah Liafa, who didn't play in the game three and Brown didn't play in game three. And they can put some heat on Derek Walton Jr. and make his life a little bit tougher than what he's been accustomed to all season. So from a depth point of view, I'm leaning, even though the Kings, <laughs> they're deep too. Their bench is legit. Mm-hmm. But man, everything matches up. But I like the, I like the backcourt defensive pressure by the breakers who guards will mcdowell white because it was justin simon in that third game that you're referring to in round 16 and um you know he's an elite defensive guy will actually got got the better of him in that game as you say 20 points 10 assists i think he has six rebounds and he put on a just a masterful display of decision-making out of pick and roll, mainly going to the floater, which he was knocking down at a very high clip with the defense sitting off. But in the previous matchups, when Barry Brown Jr. did play, Justin Simon guarded him. And they went with other guys on Will McDowell-White. Now, it'll be Simon off the tip because Brown Jr. is coming off the bench. But when that microwave of a scorer checks in, what happens there with those matchups, do you think? And and how do the breakers then find a way to take advantage? Justin Simon also, he's got to spend a lot of time on Jarrell Brantley. And Jarrell Brantley did hit that game when he shot that the back break and he banked it, but mm-hmm. Simon was on him. So I, I think what Chase will do is in stretches. Whoever is that hot guy, Simon, go over there and turn his water off. <laughs> Justin's going to be that guy. But yeah. to start off the game, I think Warden will pick up Will McDowell-White because Will doesn't look to get that aggressive offensively early. Right. He's, gonna, he's just going to he's gonna facilitate. So, okay, if that's the case, I can go with Derek Warden Jr. He'll bring in Brucey. Bruce is going to get all over him. So, in Chase, the substitution patterns, Liam, this is what I'm really interested in seeing. Will Chase shorten his rotations? To leave guys out there, does Eric, sorry, does Xavier Cooks get 32 minutes a game? Does DJ stay out there for a little bit longer or will he still rotate like he's been doing? Because I think on the breaker side, we're going to see a heavy dose, provided nobody gets in foul trouble, of the imports and Barry Brown's going to play probably 30 minutes a game. Yeah. Um, I think it'll be, I think it'll be Simon going uh, to Will McDowell White off the tip because Brown Jr. will be coming off the bench. So it's likely, I mean, if he does come off the bench, if it's what he's been rolling out recently, if it's it's Will McDowell-White, that'll be Simon. If it's Abercrombie and Repair, I think that'll be Walton Jr. and, and Dion Vasiljevic in those matchups. But it, you mentioned Jarrell Brantley. That takes us to that Jarrell Brantley-Xavier Cooks matchup at Power Forward, mm. which is just mouthwatering stuff. Two guys that we all love watching play. Cooks has been a beast all season, MVP of the league. But Brantley, he may, I mean, him and Derek Pardon are kind of two of my favorite players in the competition because they are competitive monsters. Um, we love the way Derek Pardon guards pick and roll and how he's going to step out and stop the ball and recover to his man. And that's going to be tough for Walton Jr. and Tim Suarez and those guys. But 
Brantley's physicality on Cooks. Now, he got the better of that matchup in their last game. He had, th- what do you have, 30 points, nine boards, five assists. Cooks um, didn't Fouled have out that game. Fouled out, which is why Simon was on him at the very end there and didn't have the same kind of impact. And New Zealand got the very narrow win. What do you like and looking forward to most about that matchup at the four spot? I like the matchup because let's go back to, I think it was the second time in New Zealand. Zade had 13 points in 13 minutes and bit his ankle. Mm -hmm. He was going nuts. He's (laughs) capable. There's no matchup in the league for Xavier Cooks. There just isn't. Like, no, I don't feel that you can try to body him if you want to. He's quicker than you. If you try to gap him because you think he can't shoot, he plays sneaky bully ball, Liam. He'll throw his little skinny shoulders and elbows into you, shoots little floatery hooks. Hold on, Brantley? He's going to bully Brantley? If he bags up and he lets Xavier Cooks get a run at him with some momentum, he plays with the force, which I was surprised. I didn't didn't know he could play that kind of force. Mm -hmm. So that matchup is is intriguing. But here's the the intangible that we haven't mentioned. They're both hotheads. (laughs) They're both can get rattled. So Chase is already playing the All Blacks card. The mm-hmm. referee, he's playing. And, you, and I think we've already seen who one of the referees will be. We don't need to mention his name. I think he's going to get game one. But let's just say that all of a sudden, guys are getting a little bit of foul trouble. Guys are losing the plot a little bit. Who can maintain their poise when it's the hottest? Remember that Jordan clip when he was in that timeout, Liam? He said, everybody got to keep their head. That's what's going to have to happen because you know the emotions are going to be running high. Let's talk about the whistle then. Because you referred to the All Blacks comment. Modi Mayor, when I chatted to him on the huddle the other day, he knew I was going to speak to both him and Chase. He knew he was the first cab off the rank. I let him know. And he turned up with an All Blacks coffee mug. That he just (laughs) very... Did you see what... Yeah, I saw that. And he said that may or may not have been an accident. Now, the Kings... Love to they love to live at the free throw line. They rank second in the league in free throw rate behind Southeast Melbourne, who play a very played a very similar style under Simon Mitchell. They're gonna attack you, they're gonna bang you, they're gonna put heat on the rim, they're gonna challenge the ref to either swallow their whistle and let us go or put us at the free throw line. New Zealand ranked first in the league in opponent free throw rate. They send their opponents to the stripe more regularly per possession than any other team in the competition. So are they going to be allowed to bang and play physical, the breakers without copping whistles left and right, or will the Kings get that called on their terms and start making regular trips to the free throw line? First of all, for all the coaches, Modi and Chase, nothing that you can say can influence these referees. Wrong. If, if you think these refs are going to bed, Liam, worrying about what Chase and Modi thinks, no, no, no. They got enough pride in themselves. They're not going to be influenced. If anything, you're going to upset them. And that's what you don't want to do because then you're going to get that, that 50-50 whistle. It definitely ain't going your way. Ooh, so I think I don't early, agree. I don't agree at all. I don't you, agree at all. Chase blew up and he stormed out and he got find this and he got find that. And I thought he got the whistle in game three against the Taipans. That's because the Taipans were hacking. 
You had to call those fouls. Bull Quall <laughs> is trying to foul out of every game. Those are easy whistles. Okay. This is going to – I think it's different. Like, and you know, we've been around long enough, Liam. You're not intimidating. This ain't junior referees. You're not intimidating these guys. Mm-hmm. These are the best referees we got, and they all got egos. And you are not going to show them up. You'll get a quick tech. You better be careful. So what I think is going to happen in the first three to five minutes, the refs go, all right, fellas, let's see who's the toughest. Fight it out. And then as the game settles, you'll see a more quicker whistle so things don't get out of hand. But they're going to let the big boys play, I think, for the first three to five minutes. It's an interesting thing you talk about the first three to five minutes because in the first three to five minutes or the first quarter of game one of Sydney's last series, we saw an inorbitant amount of flop warnings. And there were tech, there were two techs on the Kings as a result of flops in the, I, I, I think it was on the Kings or maybe on both sides. Um, you think, I mean, maybe we're going to see something. We're going to see some tone setting by the officials in that first quarter in one way or the other. And you're saying that you expect them to set a tone of, no, nah, it's, the, it's the finals. It's the championship series. We're going to let you back. We're going to let you play, but we're not going to let you take the proverbial P155 because <laughs> there's nothing that we can say about players on this podcast, on this magnificent huddle, that these refs don't already know, Liam. Mm-hmm. Each player has their own little ways of trying to trick the refs. The refs know it. They know it every I don't need to say names. They know who these guys are. They know what they will try to get away with. Mm-hmm. And they'll let them know early, hey, that's a flop. You didn't get hit that hard. Hurry up and get up. They'll let them know early. And as long as the players don't overreact, I think the refs will just let the game kind of just marinate its own accord. All right. Um, one of the things I love about big series like this is the, the opportunity to see someone step up and play an important cameo. Now, let me give you some examples. The Jonah Antonio game in game one of the semifinal series. Great postseason cameo. What Ben Eyre did in, in game three for the Taipans. I'm going to take you back to the last time the New Zealand Breakers were in a grand final series in 2015. In game one in Cairns, that thing was could have gone either way. And all of a sudden, Reese Carter had like <laughs> six minutes where he just couldn't miss. Back-to-back triples. He went to the trademark little hook shot all across the lane and it went from like a tied game to a 10-point lead for the Breakers. They won it. They went back. Akine Bekwe hit the shot. It was pandemonium absolute scene. Who can you see having a little grand final series cameo at some point that could change either the, the momentum of a game or the momentum of a series? Cameo appearances, the cameo candidates, Liam, we'll call them. They're thick on both teams. On the Sydney side, I can see Kawhi Noy. Mm. Kawhi Noy has been quietly talking himself up in the offseason. Got off to a slow start during the season. But he's been quietly, I mean, going about his business. Like Mm -hmm. eight here, ten there, big Mm. shot here. Because this is a rotation system that Chase is doing. He's not going to be on the court that long. But he's point per minute, he's been great. And he has a belief in himself that I should probably be starting. I'm a big, I'm a big time player. He has been itching since he left Cairns to be in this spot. So I'm expecting a co-op game. Mm. On the breaker side, Rob Lowe. 
Disco Rob Lowe. <laughs> the guy that you think, wow, is he still got something left in the tank? Rob comes in when the game slows down. Chase might not play his tag team bigs that much. You might see a lot of Suarez, maybe not so much Hunter. Who knows? We'll see. In the last series, Hunter didn't play a whole lot. Yeah. Rob Lowe comes in when Tazzy's wore out and tired, and all of a sudden, Rob Lowe is big. Offensive rebound, step out shooting threes. He's the big man on the floor. I wouldn't be surprised if Rob gave us a nice cameo. Love it. Absolutely, I can see that. Because it doesn't matter who they play at the five, the Kings, they're going to let you take some shots if you're playing that spot because they want to sit in the paint and, and play. Chase refers to it as center field. We're going to have three guys on the perimeter who are fighting over and pressuring the ball and crawling in. And we're going to have two guys playing center field, clogging up the lane. And as Omar Little said, Damon, when you come at the Kings, <laughs> you best not miss. <laughs> <laughs> and you're going to need it to knock some shots down to beat this Sydney Kings team because they're going to give you looks. Yeah. And Rob Lowe, and we talk about that th that third time they played a few weeks, well, a month ago now in Sydney, you have 15 points. He had a big-time cameo in that game, knocking down shots from long range. So no doubt they know that. Modi Mayo will be talking to Rob Lowe saying, hey, listen, you Derek Parton's going to bang for us on the interior, but when you check in, be ready to fire because you, you've, you're ready for this moment. You're part of this breaker Kiwi culture core that we have, and you're going to have the opportunity to swing this series from long range. And somebody else, Isaiah Liafa. Hmm. Isaiah in those first two games against the King, he's double figures. He's playing, he's the same Isaiah from Southeast Phoenix. You know how sometimes he go, hey, that's an irrational shot. Calm down, Zay. That guy gets hot, man. And he rides that momentum. I can see him knocking down some big shots. Him and DJ Vasilievich are the two are those two guards. That they need to hit some threes. We know mm. it, we know they're going to put them up. Yep. That's an interesting matchup in itself. Those two guys. DJ Vasilievich is a great name to mention. Um, and Corey mentioned it on overtime last week. He thinks he's the key to the Kings in this in this series. And and I and I hear him, and I hear you mentioning him just then because. Think back to been quiet. Get, he's been quiet. But as I was saying in that last series, man, when that damn wall breaks, my God, you do not want to be in the way of that water because <laughs> it'll pull, it'll tear you apart. And, you know, he's built for this type of moment. I mean, he has all kinds of rational confidence and we love watching him. And in game two in Tassie last year in the grand final series, he had the biggest moment of his career. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, no, it doesn't matter how many misses he has, he's going to be ready to hit that exact same shot in that exact same circumstance over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. He's got the genes. He's got the clutch gene in him. He's got the Sydney swag university. He went to the U. Yeah. He's ready for this stage. All right. We're at that point. You got to put your, your money where your mouth is in this moment and put it on the record. I say breakers in four. Believe it or Whoa. not. So they Believe get one game. So they win. How many? They win. It goes Sydney, Z Sydney, New Zealand backwards and forwards. So you're saying they're going to win two games in Sydney? I'm going to I think that they're going to win game two in Spark Arena. They're going to steal one of game one or game three. And then could you imagine Spark Arena if the breakers are 2-1 up when game four rolls around? 
And I don't know, part, maybe it's part of my desire to be different because I know I'm going to be on the minority with that type of selection. Uh, but I'm tipping breakers in four. I'm going to be honest. I have been avoiding making this tip. I've been, I've been asked. We've all been asked, what's your mm -hmm. tip? And I've been ducking it and dodging it. <laughs> but my heart. Is, no, 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 not my heart, my head. Uh, what is it going to be? My breakers in five. Wow. Breakers in five. Because I also, Liam, believe in some destiny. Mm. I believe in a little destiny. Now, it's going to be hard because you got to make it happen. But I believe that what this team has gone through is unparalleled. And is it their time? Like, if it's not now, when is their time? Jesus. So, breakers in five for mine. Wow, I'm shocked. I did not think we were both going to be tipping the breakers. But here we are. Uh, great to chat it out, man. Awesome. Love having you on every time. And um, look, looking forward to the series tipping off, mate. Enjoy. We'll circle back soon. Absolutely. Have a good one, man. Let's do it. I appreciate it.